All right, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Oh, man, I'm so motivated and excited by that. I want, first off, I want to welcome all of our children that are joining us today. We love you guys. Yay, children. Uh, just so you know, uh, I love interactions. So children, if you need to shout out at me at some point and you have a question, just go ahead and throw it out there and see what happens. Uh, I am just grateful you're here, and I want you to know you're welcome. Uh, if you're probably wondering, you guys don't usually have children in service. We need help with volunteers, turns out. So we could only fill one service full of volunteers because we have a lot of people that weren't quite sure if they're ready to come back and do that. So we want to meet you guys where we're at, and so that's just where we're at right now. Uh, next week, though, we'll have children's ministry both services. So we did get that figured out for next week for Easter because we know that nobody checks email really ever. So I know that most of you didn't check them because we announced like seven times all over the place that we didn't have children's ministry, but it's cool. Uh, anyway, uh, so I would love it if you would want to um, be involved with that. Would you get a hold of somebody that looks like they, they work around here? Uh, me or Joseph or James or Grayson or Tanya, uh, we would love to get you uh, locked into children's ministry. Not locked, that sounds so like uh, you can't ever escape. <laughs> no, no, it, it's like it would be such a huge ministry. Um, I know my children love it and uh, they haven't always. And so I can tell you that that's a huge blessing when they actually want to go to church when you're the pastor. So anyway, uh, so, so grateful for that. By the way, my name is Chris. I'm the pastor here, and um, we are in a series on Revelation called A Throne, A Scroll, and a Lamb, and we are unlocking Revelation. And anytime you unlock anything as if it was like locked up in code, which it kind of, kind of is, uh, we have questions. And I want to do as much unlocking as humanly possible. So would you text me uh, in, at some point during the service? And what I will do is on Tuesday, I'll record our post sermon podcast, which we call Pastor Plex Podcast. You can find Pastor Plex Podcast on any of your favorite hosting podcast web hosting places, Google, Amazon, Apple, you name it. All right. So we'd love to get all those Pastor Plex podcasts. So send me a question like right now and we'll have, that number will be at the little bottom of the screen as we go. Okay. So um, this past, past couple weeks in the United States has been kind of hard. Uh, there have been shootings and murder and darkness, and it's like, oh, yay, children, welcome. Uh, and that has been bad, right? Like when you look at the news, it's like, I don't know if I should have children watching this, or that's why we turn it off and we stream um, happy fun things like um, Bob the Builder or Blaze and his awesome like race car guy friends that with monster trucks. Uh, and so, or you watch Bubble Guppies or you watch Daniel Tiger who like does all your parenting for you. Like there's a reality that you don't watch the news because it's always so awful and darkness is everywhere, right? And that's sort of what happens. And what was particularly disturbing in Atlanta and in Colorado is 21-year-old men who were so angry and so filled with hate and darkness that they took it out on others to figure out that that would satisfy their own wrath, that that would satisfy their own anger, that that would satisfy, bring closure somehow, or at least start a revolution in them or within the country or within whatever. They wanted to make a statement that was bold and evil. And I think what happens uh, when we talk about justice, it can feel like it doesn't happen. Because as long as there have been people, uh, like let's just go back to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. There's been murder. There's been darkness. There have been lying. There's been hate. And it's, it, makes me real, it makes us all very uncomfortable when we talk about that. And so as, as a Christian, or even you don't have to be a Christian to feel this way, we can start doubting that God will bring justice to the world because we feel like, well, God won't do justice to justice. Because even if we convict uh, the guy in Atlanta or the guy in Colorado, um, isn't there a part of you goes like, well, the guy in Atlanta killed eight and the guy in Colorado killed 10. And even if you put him away for the rest of his life, does that really do justice for the families that are out? Okay, or, or maybe this, um, God seems to be late. I mean, aren't, isn't there a lot of people uh, that we watch that are do unjust things and then they don't get the prison term and they don't, they don't get adequate suffering? And maybe uh, they live to be 100 and maybe they never get caught and it feels like, God, you sort of missed your opportunity to kind of to make things right with a world that's so broken. Or what about this? 
I think this is probably where a lot of us go, and this is where it gets uncomfortable, and this is why we don't bring up God's wrath at, like, dinner parties. Hey, everybody, what you, God's wrath, everyone talk. What do you think about that? And in general, we go, listen, that is a barbaric old school teaching. The church, nobody really believes that anymore. Remember, love wins and nobody has to worry about hell. I mean, that was just an old version of an old God and we don't really do that anymore. And it gets uncomf to talk about a subject that makes everybody just a little looking at your shoes because it feels like eternal torment, separation from God and feeling the full weight of your sin is a little on the much side for eternity. And that's hard to wrap our head around. So guess what? That's where we're going. So welcome everybody to Wells Branch Community Church. You may have come just a couple weeks ago where we talked about sex. That was a fun one. So here we are talking about uh, wrath. All right, so that's where we're at. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 6. And so will you pray for me as I'm about to unpack a very challenging text? And I'm going to ask really challenging, really awkward, and we're all going to stare at each other and kind of hopefully nervous laughter will happen a lot. Okay, so let's pray. God, thank you that your word is so powerful It makes us uncomfortable. And I thank you that there is real power in your word because it's Holy Spirit inspired and that um, you proclaim this in us so that we might be transformed now and that we might have a message for the world and have real relevance for a world that's in darkness and in rebellion from you. And so God, I I pray just um, for everyone here to be able to have ears to hear. And I pray for our sweet children that are here. I'm, I'm grateful that they're here today. And I pray that you would make it in a way that would communicate unbelievable amounts of love for them. Uh, as that your angels in heaven look after them in a special way. And I'm so grateful that they're here. And God, would you give mercy on me as I'm having to communicate this and uh, uh, deliver the mail that you've written. And so, Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit that this would be an informative, inspirational, and transforma- transformational time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, okay, at our church, we believe in the gospel, and uh, let's see how well we do. In fact, I see a couple shirts out there right now. This is actually our softball team jersey, Um, and it seems kind of a little awkward, right? This is, uh, he came, Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose, he didn't stay dead, he rose from dead, came out of that tomb, and then he ascended into heaven. And there's one line that's missing. It's the return factor. And that's what Revelation is about. Uh, It is about the story of how Jesus returns. But it's sort of awkward because there's, it's, it's, um, Revelation isn't like your typical, like, let's read a book. We start in the table of contents. We read the next part. You got to have some understanding. I'm going to help you as your curator of God's word. I just wanted to use the word curator because whoever even knows what that means, it's like a museum guy. Okay, all right, so here we go. I'm going to help curate this. And uh, so this is the basic story of Jesus. And let's put that in a timeline because I think it's important to wrap our head around. Uh, in January, was it January? It feels like January is like yesterday, was it? Yeah, I guess it was. So January, we went through chapters one through three of Revelation and that developed, was in the church age, all right? So the church age, it was um, that is actually, we're currently in the church age, but we read in about 95 AD-ish, uh, John, the Apostle John, the one that Jesus loved, uh, he wrote um, what Jesus revealed to him as the revelation. And the chapters 1 through 3 dealt with contemporary times with seven churches that uh, Jesus had a message for. And then um, here's where we are. A couple millennia later, Time is sort of really difficult to show on this awesome uh, timeline. There's us. That's, that's where we're at. And sometime in the future, could be 10 minutes from now, or it could be 10,000 years from now, the church is going to go, hey, look, it's Jesus. And then we're going to go, shoom, and we're going to fly up to him and have a party up in heaven, okay? And then, and then... There's a, so Revelation chapter 4 says, after this I look. So 1 through 3, there's an after this. Part of that is us going to meet Jesus. And then Revelation 4 starts. And then some point 
after Revelation 4, we have the tribulation. I'm going to help unlock for you the tribulation. We're like, what do you mean the tribulation? Well, Daniel prophesied about this great tribulation, which would be a second half of three and a half years. The first three and a half years is a time of peace. We're going to get into that. And then um, Revelation 5, we, we heard about last week, which was um, Re- Revelation 4 is that you've got God in the throne room of heaven. It's like a little rainbow arc of green emerald shininess. And then there's the lamb that's next to him that was slain. 24 elders surround that. But in the inner circle, there's like a a lion angel looking face guy. There's a ox angel looking face guy. There's a man looking face guy, angel guy, and then an eagle. All right. So those are the inner four creatures that everyone's like, that's kind of weird. And then you've got the you know, 24 elders are sitting on thrones. That's going to be important for you to know this because that means they're ruling something. And then there's a whole host of angels and they're on repeat. They've got their, their, their track mix on repeat uh, over and over again. And then they go, who's worried to open the scroll? And the scroll is a deed type thing that would be the one who is worthy. And uh, Jesus shows up to calm the tears, says like, I'll take the scroll, and he's worthy to open it. He's the only one worthy to open it. And that's Revelation 6. Now, I almost slipped there. Revelation 6 has, uh, we're gonna, there's actually seven seals on this scroll. And whenever I think of seals on a scroll, because I don't really handle scrolls that often, I don't know if you guys are like, you know, you're at the office like, I need the parchments and the scrolls, and someone comes over, and then you have to unlock scroll one. Well, there's seven seals on it, and this is wax seals, which made it kind of like, you know when you go to Pizza Hut, and they give you like, this was sealed, so only you can open it for your protection, and you're kind of annoyed because like you went to pick it up, and it makes an extra layer of like ripping the box. Anyway, so uh, that's, it's kind of like that, but there's seven seals, uh, but they're not all seals on the outside, like they just want to make it really hard for you to open. It's like seven progressive seals. It's kind of like all right, you walk up to the first door, and it's like an eye scanner thing. It goes, Mee! and then it opens, and you walk in, and there's like this room. And then you walk into this next thing, and it has like a little handprint. Mee! And then you walk through, and there's another thing. It's progressive seals that over time, as you unroll the scroll, you get deeper and deeper into the revelation. It's not like I just got a Samsonite, and I got like seven things. I got a and then it opens, okay? You guys with me? All right, so I want you to realize as we get into Revelation 6, it's all progressively open, and the church on earth is not present. They are in heaven watching it all unfold. Does that make sense? Now, they will, and what's really neat about this, the, church, the word church, ecclesia, is mentioned a bunch of times in chapters 1 through 3, and then, is, then the church, the word church is absent for chapters 4 through 19, and that shows up at the wedding feast of the Lamb when the church is presented to Jesus and the great wedding. Isn't that awesome? Okay. And so the church is absent, uh, and that is going to be important, okay? Because the wrath that you're about to see take place isn't for the church to receive. Because who has already received our wrath? All right. Well, okay. We got some participation here. Way to go. Not exactly the motivation I was looking for, but we're getting there. All right. All right. Here we go. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Here's John talking. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures. Remember the lion, ox, man, uh, eagle. I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And whenever you hear a voice like thunder, that means judgment is about to come. And I looked and behold, a white horse and its rider had a bow. Now, a lot of times, whenever this is, we're about to get in the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and depending how old you are, that's either a Notre Dame uh, backfield or it was some wrestlers in the 80s. <laughs> All right, so it's neither one of those. And the first horseman here is riding a white horse. And whenever you think about like a religious figure riding a white horse, who do you guys think of? Jesus, right. It's not Jesus, though. <laughs> I didn't, I, what was the other one? Gandalf. Gandalf. Okay, yeah. I think you have a different Bible. <laughs> all right, all right, so, uh, all right, so it's, but it's not Jesus, because what does Jesus carry in his hand? Come on, do I have any Bible trivia nerds here? A sword, that's right, a sword. And this rider has a bow. And the one thing I want you to watch here, this bow has no arrow, watch. So behold, a white horse, a white horse symbolizes victory, a white horse symbolizes peace, 
but he has a rider has a bow. So there's a threat, always a veiled threat. And in the, what usually people say, it's Jesus, but it can't be Jesus because he's the one that just opened the seal that brought out the rider, all right? So not Jesus. And his rider had a bow. And then watch this, a crown was given to him. Now, the interesting word, and I know, that, where are my Greek Bible nerds? Do they, they want to know Greek words? Okay, not in the service. Okay, oh, three of you. All right, look, this is for just you guys, all right? So the word here is stephanos, and that means like the garland crown. You know, like you won the games, you get like a temporary crown that's going to turn into dust in about three weeks, or if you're, you know, if you don't water it very well, like a lot sooner. All right, so that's the garland crown that you get for winning something, as opposed to the diadem uh, that is like the crown, the metal, kind of looks like tiara, but it's definitely not a tiara because it's very manly. All right, so it's a diadem, all right, and that is what uh, a king of authority would win. You get a crown when you've won something, and he came out conquering and to conquer, but he does it without firing a shot. Now that's important. So the rider is peace. Peace is coming, not firing a shot. And so this is what's like, well, who is it? I mean, you could say the Antichrist is all behind it, but it's more like the thought of peace, kind of like, we want peace. So let, 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 me, let me show you how this kind of can come about. Back in 1939, who was Time Magazine's person of the year? Come on, everybody. What was that? Was that Hitler, that's right. So he was a champion of peace. In fact, Neville Chamberlain went to Munich, come back, came back, and he's like, he had a paper that, that Hitler signed, we will have peace in our time. And everyone was like, yay, Neville. And there was one guy, Winston Churchill, going like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. That guy is pure evil. And, and you know, after he passed 30, you're either into, um, well, basically World War II history if you're cool. All right, so that's basically all. That's what happens when you can't play basketball anymore. All right, so, uh, so what happened, right, is you had all these people thinking, peace, peace in our time, peace in our time, and religious leaders got on board, and, you know, Hitler had this one thing. He was like, there's this one class of people. I don't like them very much. They're always, they have all the money, and they're really rich, and they're just, they're bad people, and even, it was kind of funny to read back in that day, and there'd be other world leaders like, yeah, I don't really like the Jews either, but I think it might be a bit extreme what he's doing with them, and you're like, wow, really? We can go there. All right. So what happened is that he developed like a whole culture of like, we could just pin all our problems on one group of people and everybody was, and they had money. And so that made it easier. And so you pin all your problems on that one class, that one people, and they bore the brunt and got exterminated. And 6 million Jews died by extermination. Like I think 11 million over the course of that he would be responsible for in that war. But so it started off with peace, though, and that's how, that's how the Antichrist will get different leaders to come together, and you know, the peace of that time will be what everybody talks about. And this is why whenever you hear about, like, it's going to get worse before it gets better, well, actually, it's actually going to get better before it gets worse, and then it gets better. And so you're going to have the best awesome time. Now, it might last for a year or two, kind of like how Hitler's peace lasted for about... Because he steamrolled a couple countries, like took 10 million people uh, under his power with not a shot fired. That's pretty impressive. And so that's going to happen again. And so people are going to give down their, their rights. They're going to say, you know what? You're right. For the sake of peace and the world and blah, 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 we should all just ha be happy and get along. And th this guy's going to be charming and fun and he'll find someone to blame. And you'll be like, yeah, they probably deserve that. And then we kind of move on. But remember, church isn't here for this. Holy Spirit is completely removed. And so people can get duped even super easier. Okay. That was for free. Moving on. All right, so when, when he opened the second seal, so we turn the page, I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red. So if the first horse is, stands for peace, the red horse stands for war. How do we know that? Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth. All right, so that's, that's where you see this. The, the, the rider takes peace from the earth. What does that mean? So that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. So in other words, it's like, when you ever you know, watch movies like The Purge, like you would never watch that because you know, you're way above that. But if you did, it would be like that. Like there would be this reality of like, we know, you know, there's some bad people out there. And so we're going to give the people the opportunity to, to purge out some of the people who think differently, who don't, you know, uh, 
lift up and hail the leader of this non-free world because we need people to understand their place in the world. And so war breaks out. And by the way, this follows Matthew 24, in case you're wanting to follow like parallel. Remember, Jesus says, hey, listen, at some point, someone's going to say, I'm the Messiah. Don't believe him because, you know, as far as the east is from the west, you'll be able to see the Messiah showing up on the, on the planet. Don't worry. It's not that guy. So if anyone t- just kind of like is fooling all the people, no, it's not me. And then secondly, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, right? And then after that, there's going to be disease and earthquakes, and then the end will come. Okay, so that's, that's if you're wondering where this is parallel, Matthew 24. So he takes peace from the earth. People should slay one another. He was given a great sword. And so, like, you want to talk about war. If you haven't been to war because you haven't been to war, it's, it's awful. As a person who's been to war and been to combat and seen people on a daily basis get blown up or wounded and death, and there is this, like, sense of fear that encapsulates people all over the place. And they're looking for a savior all over the place, which then gets us, remember the mid, middle of this tribulation period, there's going to be a guy that rises up and he's got the power and he's promising all sorts of stuff and he stands in the middle of the temple and they say, worship me, I'm God. Okay. Let's get to the third seal. So then we turn the page and he opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales. White horse means peace. The rider has a bow with no arrow. Second rider has a red horse in its war, uh, and he's carrying a sword. Third guy is on a black horse, and he's carrying a scale. What's, what's up with the scales? A pair of scales is where you measure out the value of things. Remember, so you don't, you don't want to have wrong weights and measurement and scales and all that. That's, that was a big deal. And what's going to happen is like the famine is going to produce rationing. Now watch, this, this is the part that's going to make you freak out just a little bit if, you are, um, if you're thinking this isn't God behind all this with the wrath of God, okay? Remember, his people have been saved, they've been brought out of this, and the church is no longer here, but watch this, verse 6, this is where it gets creepy. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures, the throne of God, Jesus the right hand, four living creatures. 24 elders, angels, everybody else. So, so who, is, who is that voice? That's either the lamb or that's God. And then here's what the voice says. A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. To which you're like, huh? I don't really deal in quarts unless it's milk. A quart of wheat would be about enough wheat to, to make a loaf of bread, Okay. And a denarius is about a day's wage. So think about your bread cost, a loaf of bread, go down to HEB or Walmart, it's 138 bucks a loaf. That's what we're talking about. When a loaf of bread costs you $138, give or take due to inflation, and uh, it's going to get bad. Now, what about three quarts of barley? Well, barley is what you feed to cattle or animals. And so if you're going to feed your family, uh, you're going to have to kind of lower the quality of the food, but at least you're feeding them because you can get three quarts of the barley and maybe on once a week on the good day, you have a loaf of bread for the family because you went, you went and splurged. That's how bad it's going to get with food rationing and uh, government trying to help and take over. But really what government we talk about because it's been plagued by war. And so people are just trying to figure out what the price is. But God's saying, you're not going to find a better deal than this. He's a, God establishes the price across the board because this is all part of everyone awkwardly look at their shoes, his wrath. But then here's a weird part. And do not harm the oil and wine, which could mean one of two things. You know, hey, listen, make sure you take care of the oil because that's what you're going to cook with. We're not talking like crude oil, like, you know, for your car. We're talking about oil, like olive tree oil. That's what you're going to cook with. That you're going to do a lot. You'll fuel lamps with that. Uh, and it's also talking about wine, which, in other words, this isn't going to affect the rich people quite as much as it will the poor people, uh, because they're going to st- make sure they don't harm the oil and wine. Or it could mean, hey, you're going to need some oil, and you're definitely going to need some wine, because it's going to be some hard days. Don't, don't waste it. Like, don't spill your beer at the bar. Okay. All right. So either one of those. All right. Then, verse 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And usually when I think pale, I'm like, 
ah, that person needs to see some sun. Sort of. It's not like pale as in pasty white. It's more like pale as in green. Like that person looks like they're sick. And its writer's name was Death, and Hades followed him. First horse is peace, and a, a bow that shoots no arrows but conquers the world. Second horse is red with a sword in the rider's hand, and he's just destroying stuff. Third is black horse, and that's famine. He's got scales in his hand. The fourth is, is death is on this horse, and hell is following him. And hell's coming with me. What movie was that? Tombstone. Thank you, Tombstone. Wow. All right, way to go. All right, so in hell's coming with me. Like, it's Doc Holliday and the gang, right? I mean, like, this is, this is it. Now, watch this. With death, with death, right, it's um, your physical death, okay? All right, physical death. And then Hades is hell, spiritual, unbelievable torment. So the death is riding the horse, and the paddy wagon of hell is just collecting the souls, collecting souls, collecting souls. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth. Now, here's what I want you to see. I mean, a fourth of the earth to kill with sword. Listen, right now, there's like 7.4 billion people, and that means roughly 1.8 decimal, you know, 2, 3, 4, 7, 6, 3, 1, uh, billion people would die if that were to happen right now. A fourth of the earth dies. How do they die? They die by sword, famine, pestilence, something like COVID, and by wild beasts. Now, listen, until COVID hits, you're like, there's not going to be some worldwide sickness that shuts everything down. There's not going to be a boat that gets stuck in a Suez Canal that stops 10% of the whole trade of the world. That would never happen. Remember Snowpocalypse like a month ago? Okay, no, 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 listen, listen. Snowpocalypse, remember this? Like, um, we had a family at our house, okay? We were sharing food, and we were actually sort of worried, where, how are we going to have food? And it wasn't like we didn't have money for food, but the store wasn't open, and we were like, who are we going to have to go kill to get their food? No, we didn't, no, we didn't do that. We, we totally, no, that was bad. But at that point, when all of a sudden after it comes, we're going to send out raiding parties, and people are going to have, like, the authority to kill one another. Listen, I got to feed my family, and that family just didn't have enough ammunition left or whatever. They didn't have enough sword. And so what happens, people are going to have all sorts of rational justification to sort of make it because it's going to be a free-for-all. And a quarter of the earth is going to die by sword because people are hungry, by famine because they're really hungry, by sickness and by wild beasts. What? Wild beasts? So if you ever thought like some of the wild beasts like lions and tigers and bears, oh my, we're going to go extinct. No, uh, there's going to be a point in which the world breaks down and civilization breaks down and uh, a city gets uninhabited and cougars and wild animals and lions and stuff, they start to repopulate. Uh, what was that one movie? Will Smith was in it. I am, man, you guys are on it today. I am legend. It's going to be like that, where it's just sort of like all the animals and wild animals are repopulating New York City because it's been abandoned because of the plague thing that happened there because that's sort of the reality that's going to happen. And do, is the church here for this part? No, the church is not here for this because this is coming from the throne room. Wrath is being poured out. And for Christians, the wrath of God was received by Jesus. Okay. And everyone's like, okay, can we talk about somebody else? All right, so Jesus opened the scroll to bring justice with his wrath. Okay. Now, again, we don't, bring, we don't talk about wrath and polite conversation. It, you know, it's like we're at the dinner table with the neighbors. So, God's wrath, ready to go. What do you think? Because that is going to be weird. Because if you have a view that's sort of strong that God's wrath is an actual thing, then people go, <laughs> you're weird. But, or, but, or some of us have sort of like, we view God's wrath sort of like, like, it's okay if Batman does it. Here's one of my favorite Batman quotes. As long as we're on a movie theme here. As long as it takes, I'm going to show the people of Gotham that their city doesn't belong to the criminals and the corrupt. Like, that's kind of what happens. And then you get, you're like, okay, yeah, Batman, get him. But then when you get to really know Batman, you're like, this guy's kind of a freak show. Like, he's got issues, like, like 
real bad, dark-hearted issues that he's sort of meeting out for closure, constantly seeking justice to feed his brokenness on the inside. And you're like, oh, and that's what God must be like. He's like my, two, my four-year-old Titus, who God loved Titus. He's going through a stage right now, and I, I'm sure for those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about I feel like the worst parent ever, but he hates everybody right now, and everything's not fair all the time. And if he doesn't get candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, then there will be hell to pay. And his wrath goes out in a form of a scream that just kind of like makes your insides kind of go, and okay, you with me? And so what happens is that people go like, your God is so megalomaniac, like just so into himself. And that is just so weird. But that is just today because the culture has shifted because there was a day when it wasn't like that. So this culture has shifted from God is love to love is God. But even before that, before love was God, it's in the Bible that people felt like this. Remember Jonah? That God wants to show compassion to Nineveh because they don't know their left from their right. And then there's Jonah going, this is Jonah's prayer. God, oh, I knew this would happen. I knew I should have gone to Tarshish. I was praying this back then. I said, you are a loving God, gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger and you have compassion on everybody to the whatever generation. Here it is. So please kill me because I can't handle it because I love my country before I love those people. Because we get angry when God's compassion on the people we don't like. Okay. And this gets to the part where we talk about Adolf Hitler again, because remember, if he exterminated six million Jews, right? If he kind of set up the process to take people out, and we're like, that, that's hell-worthy. But what about five million? Is that hell-worthy? What about four million? What about three million? What about one? And what if I wanted to do all that stuff, but I wasn't as smart as Hitler, and I wasn't as creative with using all my, like, powers of manipulation, and I was sort of afraid I might get arrested for it, so I didn't go off on a killing spree. What about that? Oh, because you've had those thoughts about that person you worked with for, lived with. You've had thoughts about taking them out and maybe left to your own devices. Your anger, your rage, your frustration would have been fully carried out. So what about that person? Or do we only take it out of the person that had the means and opportunity because he was more privileged? look at your shoes for a second because that's what we're dealing with and here how do you and this is why what jesus did on the cross is so powerful because when jesus goes to the cross when he dies he takes on hell for all time and it's in it's only lasts a moment remember when he says um my god my god why have you forsaken me in that moment he experiences not just the pain of a physical death that's one part but he experiences hell that's why that fourth rider the pale horse is so important death jesus died but hell he takes on both of those on the cross, and he redeems the world through it. Whomever would believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, they get eternal life. That's the good news! And so this is why we, thank God, this isn't for us in the church, we, and that's why our whole hope is in the resurrection, and that's why next week when people like sort of feel like it's culturally appropriate to come to church, we invite them, because we won't want people who are on the verge of hell to go, because we don't want anyone to experience the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay, keep moving, fifth seal. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. Now, the, okay, this, this is where, um, this is sort of weird. Remember, um, these guys are all hanging out under the altar. So there's a scene shift from the throne room to the temple. And remember, everything on earth is sort of a shadow, at least the temple works, where a shadow of what was in heaven. So in the temple, there is a place of sacrifice, and these martyrs were all, their souls were all mingling underneath the altar, which then tells us something. Remember, that's not, these are those who died during the tribulation. Of during the time when peace was at its cost. And whenever you talked about Jesus being the only way, an exclusionary principle, that made you either die to famine because you weren't allowed to trade and get food, or that allowed to die to war whenever there's a certain purge. And there are the Christians over there, take those people out. But those, they came to faith after the rapture. Okay? So they are part of the tribulation of believers. For the word of God and for the witness they had borne, they cried out with a loud voice. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? All right. 
Usually in the Bible, New Testament time, when people talk about like they're getting killed or murdered or martyred, you, they say stuff like, Jesus, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or Stephen, rock, rock, bam, bam, bam. He's got, you know, concussion, broken arm. And then he goes, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's sort of what we sort of feel. But right now is the time of judgment and it's time. And guess what? Watch this. This isn't a self-centered prayer. How do we know that? These guys are in heaven. These are perfect prayers. And they're crying out for blood, for God to bring justice like he said he would, who is a perfect God. All right, so he does, he does. So avenge our blood. And then, then they were each, so then God's like, he answers them, but watch how he answers them. This is sort of um, strange. Then they were each given a white robe. Okay, here's your purity. Here's the factor. And told to rest a little longer. You have to wait. Until the number of their fellow, watch this, servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves have been. Now, this is where it gets awkward. Remember, Jesus would have none would perish, but all would come to eternal life. No, 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 think about this. But they were killed in the same way. And probably there were still people who hadn't believed yet that God, even after um, he has raptured his church, and it's like, the f- I do this with my kids, and I know it's terrible. I'm a bad parent. But I'm like, all right, I'm warning you. If you're not over there in three seconds, one, two, three. And of course, three seconds go, and then I'm like, I don't really want to, you know, discipline them because I love them, and it's really, ah, I know I need to. And then I give them one more chance, right? Like, this is the one more chance time. Because there's more people who need to believe. But once you believe in this time, guess what? It's not going to be a happy ending. There is no rapture for you to look forward to. When you believe in Jesus, you know you're signing up for the death penalty. It's not going to be pretty. War, famine, disease, beasts. So God told martyrs to be patient for justice. And this is, this is where I need you to hear this about God. His patience is unbelievable. Did you know that um, we sometimes presume upon God and His patience, not knowing that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. In this time, you're seeing it's his wrath that he's hoping to change people's minds with. But you know what you're getting right now? For millennia, grace. Waves of grace. God's saying, come on, I love you. I want you. I want to be with you. I want to be your dad. I know that your life has been screwed up from the earthly father who did a bad representation of me. I want to be in your life. I want to love you. But what people do is they like get away. Get that God stuff away. I'm my own king. And listen, you're either rebelling against God or you're rebelling against the world. Those are the two choices. And I think when it's awkward when you say it like that, because nobody thinks like that, but God's patient, wanting to love you with kindness, and eventually that kindness comes to an end because justice needs to be served. And you either receive the justice that was put on Jesus or you pay it yourself. And this is, you know, this is the part that gets hard because we don't ever understand this. This, this happened in Austin last Sunday. There was a murder downtown. And um, there was a $1,000 reward, which I thought was like, $1,000? Really? Is that the best? We, were you like, are we hurting for funds that much? And then I realized, like, this, there's a family of a murdered man seeking closure. And they're like, what are you going to do? And the police are like, well, you know, sorry. Here's, we're looking. And if you've never longed for that, you don't wrap your head around that, that justice has an impact and importance for people who've been wounded. And I think what happens, remember, God is not sitting there like angry and wanting to waylay people, but rather look at it like this. Um, Did you know that fire and wood can't coexist? There cannot be a peaceful coexistence of fire and wood. The wood always burns. There cannot be a peaceful coexistence of sin and holiness. Sin always burns. And, okay, do you guys remember, um, I know, can we do some Old Testament trivia? I know there's some of you who are like, seriously, Old Testament. All right. So who was the guy that um, steadied the ox cart that held the ark? Do you guys remember this story? Okay, ready? His name was Uzzah. All right, so Uzzah. Uzzah's a good dude. He's trying to do a good thing. They're walking, the, you know, they, they didn't read the, the God's word that said you're supposed to have Levites carry the the Ark of the Covenant with a pole that there was actually a special pole holding thing. And so they, they throw it on top of an ox cart. I'm not sure how they got it on there, but somehow they did without dying. And then as they're walking, uh, it, the, an ox stumbles, the cart almost falls over, and Uzzah goes, ah! 
And he puts his hand out, bam, dead. God's wrath hits him. And you're like, um, God, I don't know if I like that because that was a little mean. God's holiness and sinful people can't coexist. But here's the beauty of that. Here's the beauty of that. Because God knows that because he knows that we can't coexist with our holiness and his justice. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And he rose from the dead so that all who believe will not get an ooze zap, but rather get eternity with Jesus. Isn't that great news? So as, we, as we're looking at listen, we're about to hit this last one and, and then we're going to be done. But I want you to wrap your head around it. So let's go to the sixth seal. I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. Boom, and the sun became black as sackcloth and the full moon became like blood. All right, I love it when people want to post like, there's, we're having a full blood red moon. End of the world's coming. No, end of the world can't come till the rapture happens and a whole lot of other horrible things like one world government and massive war everywhere, famine. So if, you're not, if you haven't had a famine lately, you're not going to experience the blood red moon, so stop posting about it. Okay, that was for free. All right, and then the stars of the sky fell to the earth, that's meteors, and fig trees shed its winter, as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit. I mean, they're going to fall like nothing, uh, like fig tree, the winter fruit when it's shaken by a gale. And the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain island is removed from its place. And I think what happens, the sky is rolled up, and for a moment, the world can see uh, the Lamb of God. They see the, there's like a, I can see into heaven as the sky is lifted up, and there's no longer a veil that blocks heaven and earth, and there's this connection. And watch what happens. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free. So remember how it looked like sort of the rich may have gotten off there with the, the third seal? Not here. Sixth seal, they're all going down. Everybody, regardless, they hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Always makes me think of like a NORAD bunker. Anyway, so they're all kind of running for it. They're all kind of going for the bunker and they're like, hot. And then they look up to heaven. And they call to the mountains and the rocks. And they go, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. Because somehow they can see who is seated on the throne. And they don't run to him and, uh, for like hoping for compassion because that's what people who don't have the Holy Spirit do. They can't run to God in their sin. Listen, this is for free. Listen, if whenever you, you know, it's one of those Saturday nights that you don't like to talk about. And you're like, I can't go to church because I'm like blackballed spiritually and people are going to judge you even though nobody even knew what you did, right? That's because I don't know, if, listen, this is where you need to check your own heart. I don't know if you're saved because what, what sinful people do who have Jesus, they run to him, not from him. Amen. Amen. Now, now watch, watch. So they look at the throne, they're like, save us! Fall on us and hide us! Remember, what do the, the martyrs want God to avenge them? The the, those, the rich, the powerful, slave and free, everybody that don't know Jesus, they're looking up at him and that's the enemy. And save us from the wrath of the lamb. Who's pouring out the wrath? Jesus. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? The wrath of the lamb brought justice to the wicked and they are fearful and the all the martyrs are like saying finally and it's everything's being made right um and we love justice uh a couple years ago um the mayor of detroit his name was uh qualm kilpatrick and he was the youngest mayor of detroit like 31 when he took office and as you know temptation has it he racketeered fraud made a lot of money off the city stole a lot of money and he went to jail for 28 years sentence. And uh, this past, in January, before Trump left office, you know, he had a whole slew of people he pardoned. And one of these guys was Quam Kilpatrick, to which you're like, when Quam gets like 28 years, like, yeah. And he's like, I didn't kill anybody, but yeah, 28 years, that's fine. You, you robbed a lot of people, and somehow you, your book deal that you made over $300,000 didn't go to the city of Detroit. It somehow went, we don't know where it went, and so that makes people angry, and then all of a sudden he gets pardoned, and that makes you frustrated, and you're like, what does a Republican president who's going out want have anything to do with a Democrat mayor who's in prison? How did that work itself out? And then all of a sudden you're sort of like, there's an anger. It's like, no, no, he's not going to get justice. I don't care how many Bible studies he led when he was in prison. He needs to pay. Because here's what we want. We want fair. And I think the problem with fair, here's the problem with fair. 
Imagine for a second if you got what you deserved. And here, here's, because people say stuff that, I don't know if actually people think about what they say when they say stuff, because we, we're so, we live in a niceties world, and you get the new house, like, you deserve that house. Or your baby has no, you know, easy birth, and it was great, and then grandma comes along, and she goes, you are such a good person, you deserve a perfect baby. Or, uh, you know, You've been single for a long time, and finally it all happens. Like, oh, man, finally, you deserve to be happy. And then when it doesn't work out and you get divorced, someone says, man, you really deserve to be happy, right? That's, that's how that goes, okay? And here's the problem with that. Here's what we deserve. We deserve all the wrath that you see all these people getting. And I think that's the problem because we look at other people and we go like, oh, well, your sin, I mean, like, do you realize what you did to me? Do you realize what you did to me? You hurt me. And then the reality is we hurt them just as much. Maybe not in the same way because that's like because we rank our sins. My sin was not as bad as your sin because, you know, I'm not as bad as you are. And so that makes it really hard for, in marriage just for free if you sort of are always looking at your spouse like they're just a level below you because their sins are way worse. Anyway, so that's, that's, that's what happens in our lives when we sort of kind of rank ourselves. We judge everybody else by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. And what we say is like, I'm not that bad. And then we look at God like, you're not really that, I mean, you're not going to be that gracious, but he is. And this is why I want us to wrap our hand around God's justice, that he loves us so desperately and so powerfully. Um. And so this morning, when you look at God's justice and his love for us and how even though he was completely fair, that punishment for crime was, was taken by somebody and it might have been the somebody who committed it, namely you. And Jesus died for you and he rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. And my hope and my heart for you is that you wouldn't just go like, yeah, got it, let's move on from the gospel, but rather you'd say, yeah, got it, and it's affected every part of my life, and everywhere I look, I see dead people. Like, which movie? Man, you guys are on it, Sixth Sense, okay. So everywhere you look, you see dead people, you see people in sin, you see people in darkness. People need to be free, people in relationships, they don't really understand, they're stuck there. People that are in jobs where this almost abusive, people that are, like they had a family that was all messed up and junked up, and they, they're feeling like a complete victim, and you're saying, I want to give you the hope that comes with Jesus. And you can reign with him but I don't want you to experience that judgment. And that's why, that's why next week, um, my hope, my prayer is that you would invite somebody because um, we're going to talk about how there's great hope in him. And that's why uh, we want to have a permanent place for a permanent home to kind of minister the gospel. And that's why the prayer walk today from three to five uh, at our property in Brushy Creek is something I want you to experience with us. Is that we're trying to, to kind of join God on his great mission that he's commissioned us on to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us and that we would know he was with us, never against us, even to the end of the age. In fact, this morning to demonstrate that, um, we have two baptisms, count them one, two. And Lee... And Aaron are going to share their story. And um, I know that you guys, all your kids, by the way, are awesome. Can, I, can we get up for our children day? <laughs> kids, love you. you. You endured adult sermon time, and you are awesome, and you are awesome, and you are awesome. And I'm so grateful for you guys. You guys did so great. Yeah. And, yeah I am awesome. Thank you. Uh, and I am so grateful for that. But the thing I want them to see so um, importantly is this baptism. So we're going to watch the story unfold. And listen, if you're not a Christian here today and you're like, man, that's a lot of wrath of God stuff. Listen, you don't have to experience any of that. That Jesus came for you. In fact, the joy that was set before him, he even despising the cross, he took it on, despising its shame. And the joy that was set before him, the only thing that Jesus didn't have, he had perfect relationship with God before the cross. The only thing he didn't have was perfect relationship with you. That's what his heart is, because he loves you. So, this morning, if you're not a Christian, would you step over that line of faith and join us? Would you simply say, God, I'm a sinner. 
sinned against you in my thoughts, words, actions. I believe you, Jesus, have died on the cross for those sins to free me from hell and wrath. And you give me a brand new life. Thank you, Jesus. Would, would you just take the plunge on that? And if you've been a Christian for a while and talking about hell makes you like, eh, because like who talks about that? You're a weird preacher guy. You kind of have to, I guess. But like in normal thing, when you're at the office, at the water cooler, or on Zoom, you don't go, so like, hell. And it's almost become like the crazy drunk uncle we don't talk about. Who you just go meet them at the family holidays and just kind of keep them, you know, away from everybody. But know that it is a part of the doctrine that we need to wholly embrace because God is God of justice. And there's so much wickedness and sin and hurt and pain that God is one day going to make right. And he did that, part of that, in making you right when you believed. So don't go back and just be afraid of that part of your faith because it's powerful. And people need to hear it even though it makes them uncomfortable. So as we pray and then as we watch this video, I want you to be thinking about who needs to hear this message of hope? It's a message of hope. That you don't have to experience what all that's coming. That's the joy. You've got a relationship with the Father. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you've been doing great work and that you, um, that you saved Lee, you saved Aaron, and their lives are a testimony. I'm so grateful for that. And so, Jesus, would you do a great work in us and through us would we, as we watch, as we sing, as we take this in? Lord, would, you, would our experience be full of joy and full of hope and full of peace? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We need you more than anyone could ever hope or ask. And God, I pray that um, if there's somebody here who doesn't know, they would simply just pray, God, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life and make me the person you want me to be. And God, you would just change them. And Father, for those of us who've been walking this thing out for a while and have gotten caught up in politeness and have never had conversations deep enough to get to a place where we can talk about what we really believe, I pray you would make opportunities and maybe the next opportunity is to invite someone to experience the joy of the resurrection next week. We love you, Jesus. It's all for your glory, we pray. And everybody say, amen.